Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up and welcome to Believe in High School Basketball. I'm your host, Bryce Ronquillo. So thankful, so grateful to be on air. Thank you for joining me. Believe in High School Basketball is proud to be a part of the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals and the number one network in Los Angeles for sports podcasts. Let's get it. Episode 14 coming your way. I got a good show for y'all today. It's going to be a bit of a different show. I'm rolling solo today. We're going to start off. I'm going to give you a quick update on the state of basketball in California. That's where I'm based. We're going to talk about that very briefly. And then I'm going to review and give you my thoughts on Rashad Phillips' player position chart. But first and foremost, if you like the show, please subscribe on your preferred platform and leave a review as well if you feel so inclined. We're going to jump right to it, guys, give you a little update on what's going on here in California. I talked about it last week with uh, with Maddie on my show. So for all my Cali listeners, which is a majority of you, still no word on what the season will look like. And it's getting people pretty frustrated on Facebook and Twitter and, and, and all those different little forums. And last week, me and Maddie, like I said, we talked about the progress made with with the talks between let them play coaches, representatives from CY from CIF, and Governor Newsom and his representatives. And the word on social media was maybe something soon. They they were anticipating uh, some announcements coming forward, a, a pros- possibly bringing the the sports out of the tiers, the the different tiers that prevent the certain sports from happening. The big one that's going on is is cross country right now. Uh, that's kind of like the only big one that is able to take place at the moment. But I I did have a a a very good, really insightful conversation with a local athletic director director this week. Uh, I'm not going to reveal. Uh, his name exactly, but I had, a, I had a really good conversation with him, and you know he he expressed some concerns, definitely about what the talks that are going on. Although there's progress, there's definitely some caution and and a lack of wanting to be optimistic, and 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 this is why. So. CIF, what what it's looking like, and 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 what whatever the talks are going, they they they're trying to prolong this process. I think for a couple reasons. One of them is that they don't want all the teams just going straight to to club events. A lot of teams, you know, in football, volleyball. Um, basketball, this is already a widespread thing, but in football, you only have high school football in in the state and in the country. There are no 
outside of Pop Warner, Junior All-American, you know, when you play when you're uh, in middle school and elementary school, once you get to high school, it's it's high school football. That's the sole entity. So they don't want their teams turning to, to going to club events, which is what a lot of teams said they will do. So the process is kind of getting prolonged here. And what what this particular AD expressed to me um, on his concerns of that is that it's just going to hurt more in the end. So basically the logic is, you know, rip the Band-Aid off, make it quick, rather than a death from a thousand cuts. Right now it looks like, because they said in their meetings, you know, we should have decisions soon, we're going to keep looking at the science and and the progress made within the within different counties but it it kind of looks like in the end you know time's running out on a season and so prolonging this process is not really doing anyone any good and even with um cross country for example when talking to this particular athletic director He's talking about how, yes, they're able to compete under the CIF rules, but they're in a battle with local local laws because a lot of the parks are closed where they would do these meets. And then you, you have other um, regulations you kind of have to work around, like you can't compete against certain teams from different leagues or different counties and then they want to stagger the meets so it's like you're gonna have like (laughs) meets last like eight hours because they're not everyone's gonna be running at once so you you see you see where I'm going here so you, you have you know CIF is just part of it you're you're battling different things as well within within your communities, uh, within, you know, and for basketball, it's going to be different. It's going to be, you know, gym time. Uh, it's going to be who can you play. It's going to be who, who who can be there. And I think we've talked about it on this show as well. Like, I think the solutions are pretty simple. I, I've seen what Arizona's doing. North Carolina's done this. And, you know, I believe 47 other states, 46, 47. I, I could be off there, but... You know, it, 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 if you can get a get a mask mandate, really just control who's there, get access to affordable testing, th- this 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 season could be very possible. Um, I think it's just a matter of getting the politicians on board with this and helping with some of the regulations. Now, that that's kind of my update on what's going on. In California, I'll definitely keep you guys updated as I hear more. You could definitely follow me on Twitter. I'm constantly retweeting things from Let Them Play and other sports writers about these issues and what exactly is going on. Okay, now into the main topic I'm going to be spending the rest of the time on uh, on this podcast talking about and... So, so if you're in, in, in the basketball world and you're, you're active on social media, um, you've probably come across Rashad Phillips. And if you haven't, 
you should definitely uh, check him out. Totally worth a follow on Twitter. His Twitter username is rp3natural, and uh, his header is a uh, is a picture of Yoda. And uh, and for those who know that that's his nickname. That's what he goes by is Yoda. And I'm a huge fan of his content. He's to me, he's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the the basketball world, uh, in that he's very likable. He speaks the truth. He's a a free thinker in what he does. And for me, that's provided a outlet in sports media that's a different perspective than you get from the major networks. A much more relatable, a much more real perspective. Um, But but just something about Rashad's content that is just, for, for those who played basketball and those who are involved in the basketball world, it just makes sense. I really don't know how else to describe it than that. And then on top of that, I've DM'd him on like multiple occasions um, and, you know, tweeted back and forth with him. And he is always responding uh, on Twitter. He frequently interacts with his followers. And then when I've DM'd him questions, he usually responds same day. Like more times than not, same day responses. And I'll just say, like, hey, Shot, I saw you tweet about this player. Here are my thoughts on him. I want to know what you think. And he, he'll respond quick, like, hell, yeah, you know, that's spot on, whatever. Um, or, he, or I have a question about maybe something I heard him say or tweet about. And he'll always get back. And so what I want to talk about specifically is not too long ago, he released his new position definition for the game of basketball, his position dictionary. And now, that that may sound kind of crazy, like you're going to recreate the positions of of a basketball, but when when he broke this down, they it really makes sense to me at least. And I feel like a lot of other people could look at it and really say, "Hey, this th- this this makes a lot of sense." And so basically his argument is that the traditional positions in basketball are outdated. So like the point guard, the the traditional five spots, and that's it. The point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center. it's It's an outdated system. And so what do we do with outdated stuff? Just toss it out, right? No. Wrong. That's not what we do. Instead... All right. This is what we should do when evolving and trying new things. You 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 add to them to apply to the all the different types of players that we have in today's game, and that's exactly what he did. So, quick little example, and then I'll I'll break these down. I'll review them. I'll give you my thoughts on them. Quick example, so Steph Curry and Ricky Rubio, they both play the one, right? But do they play the same way? Do they have the same game? No, absolutely not. Nikola uh, Jokic and 
DeAndre Jordan, both play the five, but they are far from the same player. You guys kind of following me here? So, so it's like how, how you're comparing apples and orange and and oranges in these situations. So, I, I'm going to review his definition chart, and you, if you want to hear his full definition, his full breakdown, I'm just going to kind of go through them, and then I'm going to give my thoughts on how this could apply and help high school basketball, because. You could listen. Go you go go listen to his podcast. It's called the One of One podcast with Rashad Phillips. He breaks it all down. Probably would make much more sense than what I talk about it. But I thought it was really cool, and so I want to review what he put out there and how I think it could help the high school game. So here are his positions. He kept the original. The original five, but added on seven more categories to try to fit players, different styles in today's basketball game. So the first one, you have the the traditional guard. So TG, and these are your pass-first players, your ball handlers, your point guards like Ricky Rubio, who are more comfortable and more effective as distributors. So then you have your point guard. And your point guard is a blend. This is according to Rashad. A, a blend of facilitating and scoring. So they can do either one. They're floor generals. All right, They, they can make multiple decisions and be effective in both ways. All right, so this is where you can you got you, you to use your creativity a little bit. This is the hybrid guard, the HG. And this is the typically a score-first, most dangerous offensive player with the ball in their hands. So these are the guys that are going to have the ball in their hands most of the time, and they're going to be making all the de- decisions offensively. So that's the hybrid guard. The combo guard, uh, which is the next guard spot, is is kind of one that's become more common today. People use this term a lot. And the combo guard is a blend of styles from ball handling to shooting and scoring. You can play off the ball, on the ball. And I'm going to talk about this one a little bit later and a player who I think applied to this category, but because he was miscategorized, was kind of lost in the shuffle. Um, then you have your traditional shooting guard, all right, and that's what we have. That's what we know. The off-ball player, one of the wings, is getting their offense off the ball. Um, then you have your small forward, all right. These are bigger shooting guards, all right. You're you're they're they're more inclined to have a bigger defensive role. They're bigger players, typically, typically bigger players, defense and rebounding. Responsibilities are going to be a bigger part of their game. Again, guys, uh, this is Rashad's definitions. I'm just kind of regurgitating what he has displayed. Then there is the dual forward position. So this is a rare position. 
that could only really be filled by players who got a really good combination of of skill and size and they're going to be by and large the most of the time the best guy on the team and, and really doing a lot of the heavy lifting. So in the NBA, the the Lucas, the LeBrons, the Ben Simmons, the ones who are bigger, the ones who are have the ball in their hands a majority of the time. At the college level and high school players that I've seen kind of play this a little bit, when Zaire Williams was at Sherman Oaks Notre Dame, he kind of played that dual forward spot. I would even make an argument that Peyton Watson over at Long Beach Poly could potentially be a dual forward, although he's probably better off as a small forward. We'll, We'll talk more about this position a bit later. So now we're getting into the bigs. The stretch big, also a very common position today. These are big men who can stretch the floor with their three-point shooting. See that a lot in today's game, that need for floor spacing, the emphasis on spacing, and therefore the big man that could step out and hit a three-pointer is very valuable, especially in the high school game. Uh, The hybrid post is the next one, the HP. And this is a versatile on both ends of the floor player who is got a, a, a big role on the defensive end and on the offensive end of the floor. I think a player that really embodied this for me at the high school level that I saw personally was Evan Mobley, who was dominant on the defensive end as a rim protector. And then on the other end, played both back to the basket and was dominant. And then in the pick-and-roll game, he could play pick-and-pop. Uh, he could roll, go for a lob. He was just a versatile player. We're seeing this at USC as well. Then there's a traditional power forward, which is kind of like a dying sort of position, but there's still value. There's still guys at this position. It, it shouldn't be thrown out, that's for sure. And this is your back-to-the-basket defensive power doesn't really leave the paint too often kind of kind of player. And I, I think someone who he, he, he's, he played the five more, but I, I think he could be a good example of what a, a traditional power forward could be. I think even in the NBA, he might be like that. And that's uh, Onyeko Kongwu. And, um, you know, but he, he might also be a hybrid post depending on how he develops. So, uh, a lot of this is is really just um, how they develop as well. Um, I think the center is the last one. Oh, no, there's two more. The center, that's usually the biggest, uh, best inside presence in as, as a player, traditionally back to the basket. This is still a super valuable position and should be embraced in the high school game and in the college game in my opinion. And then the last one, point center, your PC, which just think of a postman, or a, I'm sorry, a, a big man who the offense just runs through them. And they could they could score, they could pass, they can do everything 
you need to run your offense. And uh, like Nikola Jokic, all right, he's a point center. So there, there's your breakdown of all those positions. Again, if you need to like see them physically, go to Rashad Phillips' Twitter, listen to his podcast as well. So here's my opinion on how I think it could help high school basketball. Um, I think the big one that stands out overall to me is in recruiting. And so we see this at the highest level where kids will commit to a high-profile D1 school just because of the name and reputation. So let's forget about if it's a good fit or not for the player. It's just, hey, this is the Blue Bud program. This is the Pac-12 program. This is this program. And instead of going to the team where you will fit in and your talents will be used to their greatest ability. So I talked to Selim Mawugbe. He's playing in the G League for the C-Dubs. And he talked about how Azusa Pacific, a Division II school, was the best decision for him when he had some low major D1s that were were, were recruiting him. But APU was the right decision for him based on culture, uh, based on the coaching, and where he was going to fit in. So, so an ex- I think this could be a good template for coaches to better understand what players will be a good fit based on what you already have on your roster. And for players to also see who's on that roster and where you will fit. So, for example, let's say you have a point center, all right, on your on and in your starting lineup and you run through this guy. Now, now you're going to want players who fit around this big man who the offense is going to is going to run through. So you don't want to have necessarily a I mean you could and not saying this is not doable but you know a, a hybrid guard someone who's extremely ball dominant might not necessarily be the best fit. Again, this could work. This is just my opinion. You're going to want to have guys who are like shooting guards, small forwards, willing off the ball players to really fit around that point center centerpiece. So I think that's how it could help the college game when recruiting high school players. So here, here's some more examples because different schools have different styles. So again, going back to it's a different game now and the five positions don't necessarily fit the mold of every team. You're going to have some teams who they like to go big, they like to go small. Some teams are going to have four guards out on the floor. Other teams are going to have 
two seven-footers. And so being able to identify what players are on the floor, because you're not going to call a a 6-3 player playing the four the same position as a 6-7 or a 6-8 guy playing the four. They're going to be different players. And I think a good example of this, and a guy, like I said earlier, there's a particular player who kind of, I think, got lost in this shuffle was uh, Taylor Horton Tucker, who's on the Lakers right now in his second or third year. I don't remember exactly. I think it's second. And um, he is just having a really good year. He's in the rotation, and uh, he's been one of the really exciting players, young players in the NBA right now. So Taylor Horton Tucker was a four-star recruit out of Chicago Simeon, one of the uh, premier Chicago historic Chicago high schools that's turned out great talent all the way around. And so in watching some of his highlights and his games from Chicago Simeon, he was really, um, really an ex- a really exciting player to watch. And they have an exciting style. And they had multiple guys on the floor who could rebound, weren't the biggest, but they were all long and athletic, like Taylor Horton Tucker. So frequently it was, whoever gets the rebound, you're pushing the ball. And everyone, it was like having like four combo guards out on the floor. And that's where I think Taylor fits in at a, at a combo guard position. Now, you fast forward, he goes to Iowa State. And this is where I think he got lost a little bit on NBA draft boards. Um, at Iowa State, they played four guards. And Horton Tucker, who's a big, a bit beefier, um, and a bit, you know, he, uh, he, he's, a big be- he's a bit beefier. And so he would play the four and the three a lot. He played off the ball a lot. Yeah, Tyrese Hallenburton there, who's with the Kings, he's doing a great job right now. And so he he where where he flourishes ball in his hands, attacking, creating, he didn't really get to display that. And I think a lot of teams didn't really know what to do with him on on their draft boards because he is listed at like a small forward. Or shooting guard, but he was only six three, and he kind of appeared overweight, and all, see all these different factors. Whereas when you put him in his right category, in my mind, it's a combo guard. You you can see where it fits, and obviously Frank Vogel has figured out. I put the ball in this guy's hands. Good things happen. So th- those are the big things that stand out to me on how this template could help the high school game. Now, my my criticism of the template, and it's not even really necessarily criticism, more just questions that I have. And I'm not sure if if Shad intended for this for the high school level too, but I, I, I assume he does. And I will say at this level particularly, and maybe even at the college level, and I touched on this a little bit, this largely depends on system. High school and college are system-oriented 
games. It's not the same as the NBA. NBA, a little more free-flowing. So for a high school team, a particular player might be playing like a hybrid guard position, and that's not uncommon, right? especially for talented high school players who on their high school team are the guy. So they're going to have the ball in their hands all the time. And when they go play AAU, though, they're more off the ball. They're playing more of a shooting guard or a small forward. So I think that's my only kind of criticism is for guys who games are developing, like at the high school level, and are playing in system-oriented environments versus AAU, which maybe isn't as much system, is how can we get an accurate read on what exact position this guy is? And I I think I know the answer to my own question. And and it's just got to be that the recruiters got to do their due diligence. All right, you got to see these guys in person, not just click the highlight tapes and go off of that or watch a couple AAU games and think what it is. Like, what do they look at AAU? What do they look like in high school? And get get an accurate read on where they're more comfortable and where they're successful. So that that's my criticism, or really, like I said, questions on on this template and how it applies to the high school level. But by and large, I think it could be very beneficial to kids when they're getting recruited, just getting put in their correct slot of how they play. And then also getting to see the rosters they're going to go into and where they fit. And then also on the various styles, really just knowing where your game will benefit the most and where your game will contribute to the to where you're going to succeed and where you're going to be most successful. And I think that this is a template that should be embraced and not pushed away, you know, just because it's new, just because it's not traditional, doesn't mean that we should just push it away. No, you, you see these things, you analyze them, you, 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 and you come to your own conclusions. And Rashad is clearly someone who has done his homework and has spent lots of time in basketball and knows what he's talking about. And so I respect his opinions here I respect his due diligence and and what he's done in creating this template and I by and large think it could be beneficial for basketball so that is all that I have for episode 14 once again you guys thank you for tuning in be sure to rate and leave a review subscribe if you dig the show If you want more info also about future shows or just want to interact, just want to know the latest, follow me on social at Bryce Broadcast on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure you give Rashad a follow as well. You will not regret it. And Rashad, if you're listening, if you tuned in, uh, hope you enjoyed it. Would like to talk in the future uh, about your template. I think it could be very beneficial for the game. Once again, thank you guys for tuning in, and until next time.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.